This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. All right, so this morning, I want to carry on with our series called Embracing Change. Who has felt this year so far that God is bringing shifts in your life? Like, who has felt like... Things are just changing, eh? Is anyone, so, so prophetically I believe God is really into this, okay? Because I've seen this year so far, it's only been 28 days. Can you believe it's like almost a month? God is already like shifting things quickly in people's lives. I've, I've seen it just with hearing our life group the other night, it was so amazing talking about this whole thing of change and how people are just being shifted like quickly into seasons. And that reminds me, before I carry on, praise, come forward, please. We are going to send praise today. She's actually experiencing a big change. She's going back to Zimbabwe. So uh, I don't know if you wanted to share anything, praise. Did you want to share anything to the church or or we're just going to pray for you? Do you want to share quickly? Good morning, church. Yeah, it's been just, just a quite a journey for me being in chauffeur. I think it's been two years or so, yeah, being here and experience the growth, the love, the support that I get from people. And, you know, you just, it's home. It's been like, I am home. So, yeah. Can we have some leaders coming just to pray for her? All the leaders, if you guys could just come and let's, let's lay hands on her and just, just pray for her and send her back to Zim. We, we are sad to see you go, praise, but we know the Lord is, is calling you um, back and maybe you'll come back again. You never know. Okay, so let's just uh, yeah, lay hands on her and trust that God really is with her this season. It's a season of change and of transition, but it will be fine. Okay, we speak it over you, praise. You have been a blessing to us. We love you, and we really want to see you flourish, okay? Because God's called us to the nation. So Zimbabwe is, is loved by the Lord, and he's sending you also back there to make a difference, okay? So, Lord, we, we just want to thank you for praise. Thank you that you could have been with us, Lord. We realize that no one belongs to anyone else but you, Lord, that we don't own people. We don't yeah, possess people, Lord. You are the lover of her soul, and you possess her, you own her, you've bought her at a price. And thank you this morning that we can just so share in the joy of sending her, Lord, as difficult and as emotional as it is. We thank you that you send her, Lord, back to where she can make a difference, Lord. She's not belonging to a country either, Lord. We are not citizens of our countries, Lord. We're citizens of heaven. And thank you that praise can know that you've called her to yeah, to this place to equip her, to raise her up and to inspire her that ultimately you are home, Lord. You are our home. And, and we pray also that as she goes back there, even though it's different and new, I pray that you would just experience or that she would experience you just calling her and, and being with her and embracing just what you, what you have for the season. So thank you for the new season in her life. Thank you that she can also, even these words we are preaching about, that it will come alive to her. It will be real. She would be able to hear your voice in this new season again. So we bless her. We send her with love. And we just thank you for every seed she has sown into our lives. Lord, we want to say, Lord, we receive everything, the gifts and the talents on her life. We want to embrace that and we thank you for the children that she's impacted lord in our church we thank you for the many hours she spent uh, serving people in the city lord looking after kids and just serving older people and wherever she's been she's been such a blessing and as her name says lord she is called to bring praise and glory to your name and we just say lord do it in a greater way in this new season in jesus mighty name and everyone says amen, amen. let's give praise a hand she's so awesome 
By the way, please, guys, is there anyone else leaving in the next week or so? <laughs> Don't want to forget anyone. I know some people might be going back to other places, but please send us or let us know when you're leaving that we can send you because we really believe this is powerful what we've just done. Amen? It's just a short little thing, but it's so powerful. It's prophetic. It's adding momentum into her life as she goes. So we would really love to send people and bless people. So praise, we love you. You are with the Lord and the Lord's with you and yeah, keep in touch, please. So I sense the Lord is shifting a lot of things in people's lives. It's the season of change and the quicker we embrace change, the better it will be for us. So just to start off with, why was the dollar bill stressed? Any of you know, why was the dollar bill stressed? Because it was always afraid of change. Okay, next one. Okay, we're going to have fun. Freddie preached, uh, preached, talked to me about joy this morning. So uh, joy, you know, when we laugh, it helps us to have more joy, okay? So why, what did the one autumn leaf say to another? I'm falling for you, but I know you're going to leave me. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thanks, Yuki. <laughs> A last one, okay, and then we'll get on to the message. Why did the chameleon get a divorce? Because it was tired of constant change. <laughs> but the, the thing is, this morning, we should never get tired of constant change. Amen? Last week, we said that we are living in between a radical change that has happened in our lives if we give our lives to Jesus we're living in a radical change that happened and we're living between or awaiting another radical change when we'll be made glorious. But in between those two radical changes, we are undergoing constant change as we wait for Jesus to glorify us completely. And last week we also shared that there's five things that help us to change. It takes a choice. It takes cooperation with the Lord. It takes courage to do that. It takes commitment and it takes companionship. We must do it together, okay? So that's what I preached on last week. But this week, I want to focus on where God changes us. Where does God primarily change us in this transformation process, this, this sanctification process of once we've been saved, He makes our spirits new, and one day He's going to make us completely perfect. But where does most of this change happen in the meantime, in between, until we wait for Jesus to come back? It happens in our minds. Most of the change happens in our minds. And the more I think about change, the more I realize how powerful this thing of change is. Because if we don't embrace change, if we don't think change is possible or that we can change, it's actually equivalent to our faith. If you struggle with change or if you struggle to to, to move, it, it's, it's a sign of, of a lack of faith, as, as challenging as that may seem. Faith equals change, and change equals faith, right? Just think about healing, for example. If you, if you don't believe in, 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 in the ability for someone to be healed or someone, something to change in someone's life, it's a reflection of your faith, right? Or think of people being born again. Do we believe people can be born again? It's change. Being born again equals change. It's a massive change. Do we believe in that change for people? We don't maybe see it often, so we start to un have unbelief about can people really change? Can other people really change? Can someone get healed? We don't see healing happen, so what do we think? Change is not possible. 
Salvation is not really possible. We've had it maybe, and we've seen a few people being changed, but do we believe that it's possible? So I believe it's all about our faith. If you have little faith, you'll believe in little change. If you have lots of faith, you'll believe in lots of change. Isn't that so? So the more I think about change, what about our country? Do we believe our country can change? Because it seems like it's just changing one way. It's like going down. But do we believe that change is possible even around us? Do we believe our circumstances can change? Great faith, great change, right? Little faith, little change. So the more I think about this thing of change, the more I'm excited about us embracing the ability to change in our lives. But let's look, about, let's look specifically today at the mind. The Bible says in Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Be changed. How do we need to be changed? It doesn't say anything else but the renewing of the mind. The transformation that happens in our lives starts by the renewing of our mind. So that we may what? Prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So in other words, if your mind is changed, if your thinking is changed, if your thought life and what happens in this head is changed, then we can actually start to know the will of God. Ephesians 4.23 says the same thing. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So that's what I want to look at this morning. I want to look at a change of mind. The mind here is defined as your intellect, where your thoughts, feelings, and will reside. It's your, it's, your, it's your intellect and your thoughts, your will, and your, even your emotions and your feelings reside in this. Obviously, it's also connected to your heart, but it starts in the mind. The mind is like a muscle. Did you know that? It can be trained. It can be changed. It can be grown. It can be challenged. That's how we learn new things. We learn new things by our minds. It's like a computer. It needs to be programmed. It doesn't automatically change. And sometimes our sinful minds resist change. But our minds are like muscles. They can be changed. Did you know how powerful the human mind is? It's, it's probably the most powerful thing that's been created because it has a choice. God created our minds to choose and to, and to grow and to have power to do things. The mind is so powerful that the greatest ideas have been born out of the mind. The greatest inventions have been born from the human mind. The greatest exploits that have been done in history have been born from the human mind. And sad to say, the greatest wars and tragedies have also been born from the human mind. The human mind is powerful. Would you agree with me? And so your mind is where your thoughts are formed. That is where your thoughts are formed, right here in your mind. But on the other hand, your mind is also a battleground. The battleground for the enemy, the battleground where the enemy loves to play in our minds, that's his playground. Is he doesn't worry about the external stuff. He, he plays in our minds. And so the good news, generally speaking this morning, is that you have full control over your thoughts. Full control. God doesn't have control over your thoughts. The devil doesn't have control over your thoughts. People don't have control over your thoughts. You have full control over your thoughts. Generally speaking, now I know there's cases where people have chemical imbalances in their minds, in their, in their heads. They need pills. They need help. I'm not, I'm not putting pressure on people here. I'm just saying, generally speaking, we do have control over our minds. Amen? 
You've got to believe that. If you don't believe it, then the rest of the sermon is, is going to be a bit challenging. But you have full control. Generally speaking, if you need help medically, then, then 100%. You, you, you get help. You have help. So I'm not saying there's, there's you know, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not putting pressure on people that have really got struggles in their, in their heads, okay, in their minds. But generally speaking, all of us have full control over our thoughts. That's good news this morning. It's challenging because it gives a responsibility to you. Are you willing to take full responsibility for the, the thoughts in your mind? And that's what Paul says to us in, in Romans 12. He says, be renewed in your mind because that is going to cause massive change in the rest of your life. Be renewed in your minds. So I want to look at how negative cycles work in our minds, how the devil loves to cause negative cycles to grow, but how God can also cause positive cycles out of these negative cycles. So first of all, you've got James chapter 1 says negative thoughts happen because we're in a sinful world, so we're prone to negative thoughts. And especially if your mind hasn't been renewed, then this is going to happen. And it's going to ha it happens to every one of us. We have to reprogram our minds. We're saved. We're born again. We, we're followers of Christ, but still we have negative thoughts. So negative thoughts happen. They lead to wrong desires. Because, again, we're in a sinful world. Praise Jesus. One day he's going to make things perfect. Then none of this will be applicable. So awesome. But until then, there's a renewing of our minds needed, right? Negative thoughts lead to wrong desires, and that is where sinful actions are born because actions are never the problem. The problem is always in the mind. It always starts with the thoughts that get planted. So the thought isn't actually bad. It's just when you recognize the negative thought, you can stop it because it won't start to become a desire and an action. So think of any sin in your life that you do. It always starts with a thought, right? And the Bible says that these actions lead to death. James 1 says that this is the the nature that needs to be changed in you because it's the flesh versus the spirit and the flesh will lead to death. Anything of the flesh will lead to death. 2 Corinthians says the same thing, just in a little bit of a different way. 2 Corinthians 10 says there's, there's a thought that comes in, a negative thought, and then it becomes an argument. Then you start to wrestle in your mind and then, then the devil starts to lie to you and say, did God really say no sex before marriage? Did God really say that you must forgive completely? And that you mustn't take revenge. Did God really say all of these things? And there's an argument that happens. And the devil loves to play in our minds because he knows we're not completely renewed. So he starts to lie to us. And then we start to embrace the lies a little bit. And it becomes a, an argument. And then it becomes a high thing in our lives. It becomes something you struggle with. Something that's just so established. It's, like a, 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 it's becoming a stronghold. And eventually it becomes a stronghold. The stronghold is like a... An absolute lie that you believe. It's like it's, it's completely opposite. But it's become so, so rooted in your life. And it leads ultimately again to death. Then I want to show you guys the cycle of pain. Those of you guys done the Encounter 4. And if you haven't done Encounter 4 this year, we're going to have an Encounter 4 again. But we, we deal with this in Encounter 4. It's called the cycle of pain. Similar thing to the other two examples of, of negative cycles. Trauma happens in our lives. All of us experience trauma in our lives. Bad things happen, right, to good people. Trauma happens. Lies come in again because the devil is the father of lies, and so he lies to us. It leads again to overwhelming emotions, 
And it leads again to destructive behavior. And so we destroy our lives. The, the devil just plants one seed and it's a cycle that unless it's broken by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of Jesus Christ, this thing will continue. And we can try in our strength, we can try in our own natural abilities to stop this. And to a degree we can stop it. But it needs to be a supernatural change and a continuous renewal of our minds. Amen. So this is, this, is, this is the exciting journey that we're on. And no one needs to be perfect here. As long as you recognize this stuff and you start to say, Jesus, change this in my life. So these negative cycles work. And, and, and as, as terrible as they are, the good news is that we can actually start positive cycles in our lives. By the exact opposite. We start to think positive thoughts. We start to take captive all the thoughts that are negative and we think on the things that God wants us to think about. Craig Grishel says this amazing thing in one of his sermons on this. He says, you do what you do because of what you think of you. So I want to look at this specifically in, in terms of our identity, okay? So the thoughts come in, the negative cycles start because of a wrong perception of who we are, who you are as a person. So you do what you do. If you think of most of the things you do wrong, most of the actions and the thoughts are because of a bad image of yourself or a wrong image of yourself, right? That's why it's so powerful to get the right identity. The devil uses the lies. And so what does he do? We do something wrong. And you know what he says? He says, he doesn't focus on what we've done wrong. He focuses on you. He says, you are ashamed. You should be ashamed. In fact, you are just a mess. You are a mess. You're nothing. He doesn't say, look what you've done wrong. He says, look at who you are. I remember my grandmother used to say this weird thing. She was a Scot, so she spoke in the Scottish accent. So when we did something wrong as kids, she says, you should be ashamed. Shame on you. You should be ashamed. I remember that, like, that's nothing wrong with her. She was probably told that herself, so I'm not blaming her. I'm just remembering those. Sometimes we, we say that to ourselves, or we hear the devil saying, you should be ashamed. In fact, you are nothing. You're useless. You're worthless. She didn't say that. She just said, you should be ashamed. But that is the lie that happens in our lives. You should be ashamed. And in fact, because you're so ashamed, you, you're just nothing. And so he says to us, he accuses us of who we are. He says, you are bad. You should be ashamed. You are just not worth anything because of what you've done. And so unless an intervention happens in our lives, we will continue to think that we're not good enough and the devil will continue to lie to us. So unless an intervention happens in your thoughts and that you take your thoughts captive and, in, and, and, and stand against those lies, you will embrace it and it will become an identity, a distorted identity of who you really are. And what happens, a distorted identity creates destructive habits, and destructive habits reinforce your distorted identity. So you see these negative cycles happen, and guess who's going to lie to you? The devil's going to say, look at that. Look at what you're doing. It just confirms that you're useless. And it's subtle. It's not like it's, you, you, you're, you're going to take your life. Some people take their lives. That leads to suicide. That leads to people taking their lives because they feel useless. Most of the time it doesn't happen like that. But the devil keeps us captive thinking that we're never good enough. And so we live with a constant shame in our lives. We live with a constant feeling of not being good enough. So our distorted identity confirms 
our habits and it's just a cycle again that continues. But on the other hand, the good news this morning is that Christ-centered identity creates creates Christ-honoring habits in your life and Christ-honoring habits reinforce the fact that you are a son of the King. Amen. You start to do great things. You start to do amazing things. You start to follow the Lord. You start to have breakthrough and it confirms again that you're, you're amazing. But it shouldn't start there. It should start with God telling you who you are. I want to say this morning that you are not who the devil says you are. You are not who people say you are. You are not even who you think you are. Amen. You are who God says you are. I've heard a saying that goes like this. If you don't know who you are, someone will tell you who you are not. If you're not established in your identity in Jesus, you're going to be told by someone or yourself even who you're never going to amount to be who you're not. That's such a lie. So I want to ask you guys this morning, each one of you, how do you see yourself? If you look in the mirror, how do you see yourself? And, and what is God saying about you? Because maybe you're lying to yourself. Maybe you are not telling the truth. Even though you really feel that that's the truth, you're not. God has is, got the final say. So like Craig Rochelle says, what do you think about you? And do you keep thinking about the past and do you keep thinking about all the failures and all the mistakes and all the stuff that happened to you? Is that primarily in your mind and you think, you know what, I'm going to amount to so much. And I'm not saying it's bad. It's, it's like I'm, I'm, so, I'm, I'm just good enough. You know, I'm, I'm okay. Or do you think that I'm growing from glory to glory? There's more. I've overcome. So what do you think about yourself? They say that the enemy of good is, or the enemy of great is good. Sometimes we're just happy and we're just okay with, with who we are and we just accept the, the, the sinfulness in our lives and we just, oh, you know, that's who I always am. You know, I'm, I'm okay, but I'm not, I'm not there, you know. And I'm not talking about comparing ourselves with other people. In fact, it's exactly not that. It's about being who you've been created to be, who God says you are. So are we finding our identity in, in, in the Word of God? And that is where we need to find our identity. We need to find our identity in the Word of God. And yes, it can be confirmed by prophecy and people can encourage you and affirm you and prophesy over you. That's where it starts. It's unlocked through prophecy. But that should just encourage you to hear from God directly. What does God say about you? Amen. So prophecy is good. Prophecy is the start. But sometimes we run from prophet to prophet or prophecy to prophecy and we never hear directly from God who we are. So the Word of God is so powerful and that's why... We need to know the Word of God and, and to, to hear God saying, this is who you are. And He's got general stuff in the Bible, but He's also got specific things for each one of you. So also on the, in the freedom encounter that we do, we've got a few I am statements. So you can put up the I am statements. This is just the first page. There's about 20 to 30 of these I am statements, four slides like this. So I just thought I'd put that up as an example because these are the scriptures that can tell you who you are. You are a child of God. Say, I am a child of God. Some of us have seen this before, but you need to see it again and again and again. Maybe we need to see it every year. I need it to be reminded every year of who I am because someone will tell me who I'm not. So I am a child of God. I'm a partaker of His divine nature. I'm forgiven. I'm a new creature. I'm delivered. I'm led by the Spirit. I'm free from bondage. That is who you are in Jesus Christ and so much more. Amen. So 
read through these I am statements, write them down, or you know, we'll send them to you again when we do the encounter. But, but make them your own. Ask God, God, show me from the scripture who I am. A personal I am statement, a personal prophecy that someone gave you and that you heard God confirming to you. But, but read it and write it and confirm it over and over again. You need to wash yourself with the word of God. Because he's saying something amazing about you. Amen. But this morning, I want to, I want to quickly look at, at a story of someone whose identity was, was taken to the next level, whose, whose name was changed. Because I, you know, I was praying for the service and, and focusing on the mind. I really believe God wants to give people a new identity this morning. A next level identity. It might not be like your identity is totally warped, but, but he wants to take your identity to another level, like he did with this guy in the Bible, in the Old Testament. God changed people's names throughout the Bible. I just want to mention a couple before we get to the story. God, God gave people new identities in the Bible. Some really had warped identities. Some just he took to the next level. But one guy who, who had a bit of a bad identity was Jacob. Jacob's name was changed because Jacob was a deceiver. He, he, was, he grasped the heel of his brother when he came out. He was, he was supposed to be a... Or, yeah, he was just a deceiver. He, was, he deceived his brother into, or his father into giving him the birthright instead of his brother. And, and, and Jacob was obviously had a blessing on his life. And, and he had a different identity. His name Jacob meant something specific. But then God gave him, and he wrestled with God that night, and he gave him the name Israel. The, the angel of the Lord said to him, you are no longer Jacob, you are now Israel. What does the name Israel mean? You have wrestled with God and you have overcome. That is who you are. You're the father of the nation of Israel. He was changed from a deceiver to a devout follower of the Lord. God changed his identity. What about Simon? Simon was so shaky, he was called a reed. That's what the name Simon means, like a reed. You, you, you're shaky, you're, a, you're listening, you're, you're hearing, but you're not really changing. And God says, Simon, you are no longer Simon today. You are now Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Jesus changed his name from Simon to Peter. From a reed to a rock or a stone. Isn't that amazing? From someone who's shaky to someone who's steadfast. That's what Jesus did when he spoke to Peter. Paul's name was changed from Saul to Paul. He, he, he was a persecutor and he became an apostle. Massive change in, in his life and in his calling. But then there were two other people whose names were changed. They were married. And it's found here in Genesis chapter 12. I just want to quickly read it. And it's the story of Abraham. God took me to the story and I realized, wow, Abraham embraced change from the beginning of his life. It says here in Genesis 12 from verse 1 to 3, it says, Now the Lord had said to Abraham, A-B-R-A-M, Abram, get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And saying to Abraham, move, I want you to, to move because I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you and make your name great. Do you see how God is already affirming Abraham's identity? He's speaking to him as to who he is. He says, I will make you great. I'm going to bless you and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. There is his identity right there. And he doesn't even tell him where he's going. He just says, go to where I show you. You're going to have to walk by faith, Abraham, because... You're not going to know exactly the long-term plan. I'm just going to take you on this journey because I, I've called you. You are such a blessing. I believe in you. 
And so God challenged Abraham to start making changes in his life. Why? So that he could use him. And for some of us, that's maybe a word for this year. It's, it's to just move. And, and I believe it's a word for our church. Move like, and, but for each one, not physically moving, even though we are going to, but each one of us just move. Like Sean shared with that word, move, take a step, make a decision to just move and watch how God's going to use you. And it says here that Abraham was 75 years old when he moved. Anyone said that old dogs can't learn new tricks? <laughs> you heard that saying? Well, he has, he has a counter to that excuse. I'm too old to move. I'm too old to change. Abraham was 75 years old when God called him. So I've got good news for some of the older people. God can do radical stuff in your life still. Even if you've got 10 years left or 15 years, he can do amazing things. But he moved out at 75 years old and it was almost like Jesus saying to us as his people, follow me, listen to me, obey me. That's all I'm calling you to do is move. What did Jesus say to the first disciples? Come and follow me. Come, drop your nets, follow me. It's so amazing how the word of God, just the first man of faith did this and, and continually Jesus is calling us to just be like Abraham, walk in faith, follow him. Lay aside stuff, let go of stuff, follow me, listen to me, obey me. But he started to tell Abraham who he was now and in the future. He says, I'm going to bless you, but guess what? I've already blessed you. It's not like God, you know, is going to still bless him. God had already blessed him. The fact that God was speaking to him meant that God was already blessing him. He was already a blessing. But it's just going to be such even a greater blessing. Abraham went through trials. He went through mistakes. He, he did stupid things. He made stupid mistakes. He went through his doubts and his fears. Even the, the fact that he was going to be a father of many, he still doubted that. But guess what? God was not shaken. God still used him. And God continued to commune with him. And even in Genesis 15, he makes this amazing covenant and he affirms again what he said in Genesis 12. He said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you great. I'm going to use you. And then he did something radical in Genesis 17. He says, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. And said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. As if Abraham wasn't really walking before God. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't, but God was some taking him to the next level. Walk before me. You know what? That speaks to me of a mirror. Look at me in this mirror. Walk before me. Look at me. Look at what I'm saying about you. Look at what I am reflecting in your life. Don't look at anything else. Walk before me. Just let me reflect myself through you, Abraham. And guess what? I'm going to make this covenant between us, and I'm going to multiply you exceedingly. And when Abraham heard the voice of the Lord, he fell on his face again. He never took worship for granted. He never took intimacy with God as something, you know, that was just casual in his life. He was like, again, it's like coming here on a Sunday again, just falling on your face. Well, how God you are here. Because, hey, God's here, right? I mean, that worship was awesome, Carly, thanks. God is here, not because the worship was great, just because God loves to inhabit the worship of his people. And we fall on our faces like Abraham did. Abraham fell on his face and he's, wow, God, you're talking to me. What a holy moment. You've chosen me. I want to reflect you. I want to be with you. I want you to reflect me, Lord, because it's not about me. It's, it's more about you, Lord, please. In fact, it's all about you. But, but I'm still in the picture because you want to use me. God talked with him and he says, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. And he continues to affirm him on the promises he made right at the beginning when he said, come, move, let's make a change. 
And then he does this and he says, No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. Giving you a new identity because I've made you a father of many nations. And it's interesting that, that Abraham embraced this and don't know why God didn't do this earlier. Maybe he was just testing Abraham. But he took him through a journey of change. He took him through a journey of moving with him. And then he said, it's now is the time. You're 99. And Abraham must have been at that place of how am I going to get a child? How am I going to physically get a child? How's my wife at 90 going to bear a child? This is impossible, God. But I embrace this new name. And he kept saying to God, he read the story, he says, God, but isn't Ishmael the father of men, you know? No, 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 it's the son of promise, going to be with your wife, not with your, ma your maid servant, with your wife. And Abraham embraced this. His name changed from high or exalted father, which is not a bad thing. He had a great name. Abraham was, was, was amazing. He had a good identity, but God took him to the next level of identity. He says, now you're not just going to be an exalted father of your family. You're going to be a father of many nations. He gave him a new identity. He made another change in his life. And he said, Abraham, you've embraced change. I'm going to give you another identity now. You're not just a father. You're a father of many. And he changed his name. And he said, I'm taking you from one blessing to the next. Because he was willing to be changed. And his wife, Sarai, became Sarah from princess to my princess. You're not just a princess, you are my princess. And she bore a child, and we know the rest of the story. And then Abraham was tested again. Take your son, sacrifice him. You're another change. And he was, every time Abraham seemed to pass that test, because he was willing to be changed. Sarah was willing to be changed. Even though she laughed at God, God, are you going to give me a son at this old age? And she laughed. And God said, no, you're going to be the, the mother of many. You're going to be my princess. So I just sense for us this morning that God wants to change identities here this morning. Even God might want to give you a new name this morning. Not, not in the natural, because that's quite a mission to change your ID at home affairs and all of that stuff, but, but maybe you must do it. I've heard of people changing their names. But he wants you to know who you are in him because who cares what home affairs says? Who cares what your passport says? Because a name is significant. In the Bible times, a change of name was very significant. It was really a change of identity. It was a change of calling. It was saying, God, this is what you've called me, but you're calling me to something different. I believe this morning that God wants to affirm us in who we are primarily. He wants to make a change in, in how you see yourself, your identity. What is the name you give yourself? And, and let's look at the significance of our names because if our parents really heard from the Lord, they gave us names that really are quite prophetic, right? Because it's powerful. Prophecy and giving someone a name speaks to their identity and their destiny. So have a look at your name. Have a look at the meaning of your name and ask God, God, what are you saying through this? Maybe it's not so good because some people weren't given such good names because maybe there's generational curses that you need to break and then you don't have to change your name, but just change how you see yourself. Ask God for the positive meaning of your name because some names have negative stuff as well. But ask God to show you ultimately what does he say about you and your identity? Who are you in Jesus? And if you can change your thinking about who you are, your actions will, will change. I can
can guarantee your actions will change if you start to believe who you really are. My name, part of my name means courageous, means courageous one, courage. You know, sometimes I'm challenged to step out, to have courage, to have boldness. It's not something that comes naturally, but then I say, God, I know you've made me courageous. You've made me someone who's bold. You've made me an overcomer. So I have to walk in it. The devil wants to lie to me and say, I'm not, I'm a failure. I'm going to mess up again. Oh, watch out. Don't take risks. It's going to fail. The lies want to come in, but I have to keep saying, no, who am, who am, who am I? I'm a, I'm a courageous one. I'm an overcomer. I'm a brave one. So what is God saying about you? And what is the identity he wants to change in you? What are the thoughts that you're constantly thinking of that cause you to just go into these cycles of negativity? What have, what have people said about you that you need to break? Because truly God wants to give you a new identity this morning. He wants to make you able to receive the change he wants to do in your life. But it starts in your mind. Our minds are powerful. Amen. Who, believe who believes here that your mind is powerful? Because if your body is powerful and your body has the final say, man, then you're just going to follow your body. And ultimately what your mind has done is your mind has decided to follow your body. So our minds have the ability to choose the spirit or the flesh. That, that's what we have. We've got two choices, either the flesh or the spirit. The choice is in our minds. I remember once doing a course on healing and freedom and, and, and there was a picture on this piece of paper. I think it was Shofar's back in the day. You guys might have done it. Paul and Heather Craig Hills, that, that healing course, the Encounter 3, the legacy. There was this picture of a door. Your mind is in the middle. He has the spirit. He has the flesh. And the door is either open to the spirit or it's open to the flesh. It can't really be open to both. Although we know in the natural we, we're growing. So it is just a little bit more open to the spirit. When we're born again, we, we tend to conform more to the spirit. But we still have a little bit of the door open to the flesh because we're in transition. But where is that choice? Where is that power lying? It's in the mind. You have the choice to open that door to either the flesh or the spirit. But you see, if we know who we are, then we won't sin in faith. If we feel like a sinner, if we feel like a loser, if we feel like a failure, then we're going to sin in faith. We're going to be failures in faith. Even before it happens, we're just going to think it and believe it, and eventually it will happen. Our actions will reflect what we think. But if you think you're an overcomer, if you know you're an overcomer, the temptation comes and you say, thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. Thank you. This is not who I am. I'm better than this. And you repent if you do sin because we will still mess up. But the good news is that there's a scripture here that should give us hope as I end this morning. Romans 8 verse 5 and 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, for to be carnally minded, that's focused on the flesh, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. A mind set on the spirit, friends, is the key to happiness. All of us want happiness, but it's not just about happenings. It's about joy. It's about peace. It's about the life Christ has died for us and given us. Hasn't given us an easy life, but he's given us a life of peace. A life of fulfillment, a life of abundance the Bible talks about. John 10 verse 10 says the thief wants to give us a terrible life, but Jesus came to give us abundant life, more than overflowing. So Rick Warren gives three amazing tools to, to think about as I close this morning. 
talking here about a life of the Spirit, the life where we need to set our minds on the Spirit and not on the flesh. He says, feed your mind with truth, number one. So what is the Word of God saying to you? And that's what I said. Read those I am statements. Make your own statements. Read them every day and confess them and tell yourself and the devil and all the spiritual forces around you. Tell the atmosphere around you, this is who I am. I'm more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I'm an overcomer. I'm not a sinner. I'm a saint. Feed your mind with truth. And that means, guys, we need to read the Word of God. Amen. And so in our men's group on a Monday morning, we're going back to just reading the Word of God because, you know, there's so much motivation out there. There's so many good sermons, good talks, and it's awesome. But, you know, we need to get back to the Word of God, the pure Word of God. Let it sink in. Read it. And then, what does this say to me? It's a wonderful, we've, we've, we've done one Timothy already, and I can just see how we are just, as guys, receiving revelations of Paul's letter to the Timothy. It's a young minister. This is who you are in, in Jesus. You're young, but you know what? This is who you are, and the gospel is the power unto salvation. Preach the gospel, live the gospel, but read the word of God. Say, read the word of God. Make a choice. I am, say, I am going to read the word. More this year. Are you feeding yourself with the truth? Are you feeding yourself and your thoughts with the Word of God? Because, hey, if we feed ourselves with Facebook and Instagram, all this stuff, man, we're going to go crazy because there's so much stuff confusing and we look at ourselves and we're not good enough because, look at what these people are doing. And, uh, and that's what we do, we compare ourselves with others and we don't feed ourselves the Word that says, this is who you are. So let's read the Word of God this year. Let's feed our spirits, feed our minds, feed all of ourselves with the truth because Jesus is the truth, but He he reveals His truth through His Word. He's the living Word. Secondly, free your mind from the destructive thoughts. You need to take thoughts captive, guys. We have been given power to overcome. Amen? Because if you do number one and you feed your mind with the truth, you know you're not going to see a little kitten in the mirror. You're going to see a lion, and that lion is going to roar against the devil. Amen? And tell that thought, stop, and that action, this is not who I am. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to look at this. I'm not going to say this thing. It's not who I am. I'm gentle. I'm kind. I'm peaceful. I'm not angry. Free your mind of these destructive thoughts, because the thoughts will start the process. It's not the actions that you need to blame yourself for. It's the thoughts. It's, it's, it's that person. The devil says, you're angry, so hit that person. Get angry. Go crazy and just destroy that life, you know. Because you're an angry person. And you'll do it. That, oh, you know what? I am an angry person. I'm just, I'm just nowhere. Free your mind from those thoughts. And I love what he also says. He says, don't believe everything that you think. Even your own thoughts towards yourself are not always the truth. So, so start to renew the thinking that you have towards yourself. You are not what you think. You are who God says you are. And then lastly, focus your mind on the right thing. Jesus other people, and eternity. Focus on Jesus, first of all. Focus on others. Look away from yourself. Look, how can you bless someone else? How can, you, how can you just be a blessing in this world? How can you focus also on what's to come and not what's here? Focus on eternity. Set your minds on things above, Colossians says. But focus your mind. Find something to do that will bless others. Get out of your comfort zone. Serve other people. It really helps to focus away from ourselves. Amen. And ultimately, it's all about Jesus, but Jesus will always lead you to people. Jesus will always say, serve my people. Be a blessing. 
And it will stretch you sometimes. But that's where he says to Abraham, Abraham, move because I've called you more than just for your family. I've called you to be a blessing. So take your family with. We had to move. Uh, Heston and I have moved a couple of times in our lives. And, and this last move was like three kids. The previous move was just one kid when we went from Pretoria to Bloemfontein. We just had to take Matthew with. But from Bloemfontein to here was like three kids. Moving with three kids wasn't easy. They settled in a school. They're happy. We're all happy. But the Lord says move. But you know what a blessing it is to be in PE? Amen. <laughs> it's, it's a blessing for me to be with you guys. Imagine if we're still in bloom. Boo. <laughs> good for them, eh? but not good for you guys. <laughs> but it's such a blessing to have moved and see God bless us. And the kids are even happier. I mean, I thought they were happy in those schools, but man, they're happy in these schools. It's like Gray is an amazing school. Clarendon Park is the best school, eh, Caitlin? We always say Clarendon Park is the best school in PE. Okay? The boys say, no, Gray is the best, so we have some fights in our family, but... But we say Clarice is the best. I was at the athletics meeting yesterday. What a beautiful school. What a beautiful bunch of people. But you see, when you start to see what God has done in your life, when you start to see the blessings in your life, you realize, wow, God, you are good. Take me to the next level, God, because the enemy of great is good. So I don't, I don't just want to stay at good. I want to go to great, God. So whenever I have to move again, Lord, I'll move. But I want to be with you. I want to be in your presence. It's all about you, Lord. I want to reflect you. I want to walk with you and be blameless like Abraham. And I want to embrace the new name you're going to give me because I'm not just a father of some, I'm a father of many. God is saying that to each of you. You're not just a father or mother of a few people. You're a father and mother of many. There's always more. You can reach more people. Don't be satisfied with the influence that you have. Say, God, I've got more influence. But help me to be faithful with that which I already have. Help me to glorify you in that which I already have. And then... God is going to say to you, come, you're not Abraham anymore, you're Abraham. But I believe today God even wants to say, you're not Peter, or you're not Simon, you're Peter. You're not Jacob, you're Israel. God wants to change people's names. You're not Saul, the negative persecutor. You're the apostle Paul. You're greater than you think. Amen. Why? Because of the word of God in your life. A mind set on the spirit lives according to the spirit, but a mind... Set on the flesh is going to be death. But I know each one of you here this morning don't want death. You want life and peace. A mind set on what God says about you. Can we pray this morning? Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.